You're listening to the Quiet Rebels podcast, episode number 52. And in this episode, we're going to be taking our first step into the realm of law. And it's not going to be as scary as I'm probably making it sound right now. (laughs) In fact, my special guest really helps to take out a lot of the fear that many of us actually have when it comes to anything legal in our business. And in this episode, we're actually going to be focusing very very much on contracts. So if you are a one-on-one service provider, or maybe you have a group program that requires a contract, you know, in place for you and your students, this is the episode for you. And in fact, when I was kind of like brainstorming with my guest on like the areas of legalities that we could be focusing on, I realized that, hey, I'm probably going to have to ask her back when it comes to like course creation and trademarks and things like that. So If you are interested in that sort of thing, be sure to stay tuned because you're going to love this person that I have on board today. So yes, contracts. I got to tell you, before I had contracts in my business, I honestly felt like I wasn't quite legit as a business owner. Like I was almost like, you know, I don't know, it just felt almost sketchy doing business without contracts. And so I almost felt like I was hiding under the radar. And so you can imagine how much that really impacted the way that I showed up online, right? It's kind of like, oh yeah, like I can help you. I think maybe, I mean, you know, (laughs) that's honestly how I felt. I felt really mousy in the first couple of years of my business before I was able to invest in contracts. And contracts aren't necessarily like this huge thing that you have to like spend so much money on in fact we're going to share some resources towards the end of like how you can get started with this but the reason why I wanted to bring this to the table today is because I know so many of you are service providers you are copywriters or coaches or consultants like another c maybe another thing that's not a c (laughs) but the point is that so many of you are service providers you offer one-on-one services right and so I really wanted to kind of bring this to the forefront today just in case your contracts are probably making you feel not as secure as you should be feeling when you are you know, offering your service at a good price, right? A good investment for your client. And so that's why I really want to talk about this. So my guest is actually going to be walking us through the fundamentals and the essentials to include in a solid contract. And you can tell just from the way she speaks, she knows what she's doing, right? In fact, at the beginning of the interview, when I introduce her, she does walk us through her experience as a lawyer and kind of like what inspired her to shift to this online space, helping entrepreneurs with amazing missions to feel so confident in how they put themselves out there in the world because they have contracts in place. And so my lovely, please join me in welcoming to the virtual stage, Autumn Boyd. This is the place to be if you want the courage to live your life and run your business in a way that's true to you. Contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. But here's the thing, there's no time for you to be playing small anymore because you can make an impact on the people you want to help in this world by showing up and owning your message. And it is my personal mission to support you on your journey with every single episode. I am your host, Meikei Sang, and it is my honor to welcome you to The Quiet Rebellion. Let's dive in. Hello, my dear Quiet Rebels. I hope you are doing amazing. 
And today I have a very special guest on the show who's going to be walking us through one of these kind of mystery areas that many of us have as small business owners. I mean, I don't know about you, but there are two key areas that kind of like make me feel like the heebie-jeebies because I just don't know how to navigate it. One of them is like the financial stuff, like anything to do with accounting and money and yeah, all of that stuff. That, and it's also the legal stuff. Now, luckily, my special guest today is going to help us with the latter, all things legal, especially when it comes to sending your prospective clients their first contract. It's kind of like the solidification of your work together. And if you don't know what kind of goes into a contract or you're not sure whether like, you even understand your own contract, my special guest is actually going to be walking us through the five things that we actually need. So please join me in giving a warm welcome to Autumn Void. So awesome. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Quiet Rebels podcast. So happy to have you. Thank you so much, Mickey. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. So Autumn, before we get into all the good stuff and kind of like literally like taking a big weight off our shoulders of all things legal, (laughs) especially when it comes to the contract, could you share with us how you even got into this realm of work in the first place? Because I looked at your bio and it's very impressive, but I'd love to hear from, (laughs) you know, your point of view of like how you got into all of this and why you have chosen now to specialize in helping like creative and online business entrepreneurs. Yeah. So I had a very boring, normal legal career. When I first started, I worked for a judge. I worked for a large law firm here where I live in Tennessee. Um, and then I worked for a smaller firm. And when I worked for the small firm, I just did copyright litigation. So that means I worked mostly with photographers and stock photography agencies, and we sued companies that were using their images without permission. Mm -hmm. So that was my first kind of introduction into the creative world. We're good photographers, super creative. And also that law firm was pretty much a virtual law firm. So I telecommuted for that job. And this was back in like the late 2000s. Um, I started working at that firm in 2008. So we were kind of at the forefront of the virtual (laughs) law office. Now there's lots of them, but we were kind of figuring it out as we went along. And so I did that work for um, about seven years and then started a family. I got married. I have twin boys. They're now eight. Um, Yeah. So that job was intense. (laughs) It was a lot of travel. It was, you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks a lot of the time. And so even though I was telecommuting, I was very spoiled. I felt like it was a great job to have with young children. It just kind of got to be too much for my family. So I decided to start my own firm in 2015. (laughs) And so I was lucky to have had that exposure to, oh, I can run a virtual business. Like I kind of knew the tools that I needed. So I knew how to get that started, but I had no clients. And I really didn't want to do courtroom work anymore because it's just super stressful. You're working on these deadlines that can't really be moved. It was just kind of not a great fit for having young children at home who might come home with a stomach bug one day and yeah. you still get a deadline. There was not a lot of flexibility. So I switched to doing what we call transactional work. So now I help businesses in a more proactive way. So mm-hmm. helping them with contracts, like we talked about registering copyrights and trademarks, you know, planning, doing strategy strategy. And I kind of fell into this online business world and working with creatives. I started because I had no business background. They don't teach you how to be a business person in law school. So I was really, I love, always loved podcasts. So I was listening to tons of podcasts, just trying to learn like marketing and sales and accounting and all of these tools that you need as a business owner. And so I had found a couple of podcasts that really resonated with me. One of them was Being Boss. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so I was joining their Facebook groups. This was 2015. There were Facebook groups for everything. And so I was in these Facebook groups really just trying to learn, but I noticed people were asking legal questions and there were no other lawyers in there. So I just started answering them, being helpful. And people started asking if I could help them, you know, one-on-one. So it was really very organic that I fell into this realm, but it was kind of a perfect fit with my background, with my skill set. So I started working with a couple of photographers and graphic designers, web designers, and I just loved the work. They're really fun to work with. I mean, you know, your listeners, they're kind, they're enthusiastic. It was a really good fit. And so I just kind of switched. I thought that I was going to be doing work with like startups and technology companies that turned out not to be a great fit. (laughs) And yeah, I just loved working with them. So that's kind of how I ended up falling into this area. And that was five years ago. So it's just kind of built from there. You know, one person would have a good experience and refer me to someone else, or I'd go on a podcast like yours and, you know, be introduced to new people. So it's been really fun. Yeah. And now that you've taken on board the like one-on-one clients and you've also got a template shop as well, which is Mm -hmm. super, super helpful because there are many people who probably won't be able to afford, um, you know, working one-on-one. So like, I like how you have the different, the ascension of being able to work with you in different ways. Yeah. I started the contracts templates really early because I saw working with one-on-one with a lawyer can be expensive. And if you're early in your business, that just is not necessarily what I would even recommend, even if you had unlimited funds. (laughs) No, I don't know that that's the best place to put your money early on. Mm -hmm. Uh, But a contract template is, is really great. It's very affordable. They're quick and easy to get up and running. That's the other thing. Working with a lawyer one-on-one can be kind of time intense Mm. uh, because everything is very custom. So we want to get it just right. And there's a lot of back and forth and conversations and tweaking and revisions. So the template, you can just get up and running really quickly. That's good to know. And just like on a side note, like when do you think is the right time for someone to actually hire a lawyer to really customize all of these contracts? I mean, it's different for every business, but I would say if you are like at the high five figures or getting towards six figures Mm -hmm. and you have one main revenue stream. So I always think about protecting your revenue first. So think about like if you're a service provider, if you're a graphic designer and you have like a signature service or something that you do, or if you're a course creator and you have your number one course that is really your big money maker, you know, that's where I would typically start. And I would want you to have been selling it for maybe six months or a year. So you kind of have some experience, you know, maybe where you've had some issues or (laughs) some tension with your customers, or you know where you get questions every time, because you kind of have to know how you're doing business before you can put it into a contract. I think a lot of people don't realize that, but I, whenever I'm sitting down with a one-on-one client to go through what I need to know from them for a contract, I'm usually asking questions that if they've never delivered the service, they just don't really know. Like what's your refund policy or what's going to happen if a student copies your stuff or, you know, just how would you want to deal with these things that, that will pop up sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you need, I think you need to have delivered the service for long enough to kind of be able to answer those questions. Mm, 100%. And then, yeah. And, and maybe a lot of times people will come to me because they've had a big issue or a problem and they're like, mm, it showed me that my contract was not really protecting me the way I knew it needed to. Yeah. Um, so even a template, you know, I try to put everything in there that I can <laughs> think of, but every business is a little different. So yeah, there, is. there can be things that pop up. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and I just, uh, I wanted to ask because um, as you brought up 
a contract not protecting you. Could you tell us, do you have a horror story, you know, from a client that um, when they didn't have a contract in place and something happened, which is why they made their way to you? Or like basically like what is the risk of not having a contract that protects you? Like, I think it's really important for us to know that because it's often like almost a back burner thing until there's a problem. So yeah. could you kind of like help us future pace this yeah. way we don't ever get into like a sticky situation? <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> a lot of horror stories. I would say some of the big things that I see, especially with creatives are what we call scope creep. Mm. So maybe someone hires you to do a website and you think you know what it's going to be. Maybe you think it's going to be five pages and maybe a couple of templates that they can use for other things, but you think they're going to write all the copy and they're going to do all the images. And then you get into the project and your expectations are just a mismatch. So they thought you were going to write the copy and find images and do all these other things. And they start asking you to do all of those things. And if you don't have a clear contract in place that you can refer back to, you're kind of, you know, you're in this situation where it's kind of, he said, she said, or it was, we never talked about it. So there's nothing to kind of figure out how can we move forward. And especially we're pricing things based on what we think the scope of a project is going to be either our time, or if we have a team, you know, or we've got to hire contractors to do bits and pieces of it. So, you know, you can lose your profit margin really quickly if you and the client disagree and you feel like you have to do extra work to keep them happy. It just can become a big mess. So that is a big one. Another thing that I see is clients just ghosting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So you get into a project and maybe, you know, they have a, a family member who's ill or maybe they have some sort of other crisis. It's not always just that they're trying to be jerks. You know, life happens. But if you don't address that in your contract, what I've seen happen is, you know, they disappear for two months. You can't get a hold of them. You can't get them to respond. You don't know what to do with their project. And then they pop back up and they're like ready to get going. And maybe you have taken on other projects because you couldn't just wait forever. Um, And so now you're trying to jam, you know, two projects into the same timeline that you just had ready for one and it can be really stressful. So that, that's something else that we can address in a contract is kind of what, just what happens in those kind of circumstances. Yeah, I, I'm glad that, I could go into a lot more, but yeah, <laughs> those but, will probably like, resonate. Yeah, as as you were talking, like I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because I, I've been like very fortunate that like 95 percent of my clients um, have been like um, very lovely to work with. But mm-hmm. you can imagine that's not 100 percent. So there was it's never 100 percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Last year there was like an issue to uh, with this. It was mainly about the ghosting and the sudden scope creep. And then, mm. you know, the project was finished and it was kind of like really about for more and nearly had to take it to the uh, like small. Yeah. And luckily we didn't have to, but it was really horrible mm-hmm. kind of feeling. Cause like, you know, at one point me and this client were like, you know, we got along so well and we we're so excited to bring her work into the world. And it was just a shame that it kind of like was tainted by this. I don't yeah. know if it was just a contract or maybe it's just how we communicated in general, but even so I know that having a more solid contract could have helped that communication a lot. Yeah. more. Yeah. And I always say like the contract should be just putting into writing things that you've already talked about. So yeah. there shouldn't be any surprises, mm. but the contract kind of forces you to talk about these things. Yeah, it you does. should, you know, kind of go over it with the client and, you know, or if you're hiring someone, you know, go over with them. Mm. And I'm as guilty as this at anybody, as anybody else. I just, you know, we, I mentioned before we hit record that we just redid our website. So I hired a website designer. Mm-hmm. We had a wonderful experience, but at one point I wanted to make sure I wasn't asking too much. So I went back to our contract like three times during our work together. And, you know, I had reviewed the contract on the front end and 
agreed to everything. And I just couldn't remember, frankly, like, mm-hmm. did we agree? There was a certain number of pages. Cause I wanted to make sure I wasn't taking advantage of her, mm-hmm. uh, but it was so nice to have that as a reference point that I could just go back and look at and that I wasn't bothering her saying, do we agree on X, Y, Z, or mm-hmm. is it okay if you do this or that or the other? It yeah. just made it really smooth and easy. Yeah. So it's that, that's another thing. I think that's also like this mindset shift that we need to uh, talk about as well, that um, contracts aren't just to protect yourself, but it's also to protect your client as well, mm-hmm. because um, oftentimes a contract can be very one-sided, you know, mainly for the service provider or, you know, the product creator. Usually whoever, whoever writes it. <laughs> in fact, whoever wants to write it. But it should be a two-way street where you can actually create this relationship based on trust and something that's mm-hmm. actually written. So could you kind of share with us any like mindset shifts that we probably need to make with regards to having a contract in, in case we don't have one already? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something I see really frequently with newer business owners who Mm -hmm. maybe think that a contract is going to scare off a potential client or it just feels so formal and, you know, maybe they're a more kind of informal type person or maybe, you know, they don't, they haven't worked in corporate in the background. So they just, it just feels very stuffy and like it's confining you. And I really, I love the way you talk about it as a mindset shift because it really is a way to kind of give both sides some freedom and it helps you relax because you know everything's in writing. So you don't have that like worry in the back of your mind, like, oh, what if something goes wrong? Or what if she asks for more or he wants to fire me or they, you know, want these files and I don't think they should have them. You know, all of that should just be in your contract. So you don't have to worry about that. You can just refer back to it. So I think it is actually the ultimate, you know, sign of trust if you're willing to sign a contract with someone. Um, I do have a couple of really old school clients who are like, you know, I do business on a handshake and if they want me to sign a contract, I don't trust that. And I'm like, I think it's more trustworthy to put something in a contract because you know, then you could like take that to court (laughs) if you ever have a dispute. Like it's all right there. It's very open and, you know, you have to trust the other person if you're willing to kind of, you know, sign something that says this is exactly what we're agreeing to. So I do think it's a big mindset shift for a business owner. And like you said, like when you have a solid contract, it makes you feel very legit. Like you are sending it to the client. You're saying, I'm a business owner. I'm going to do what I told you I'm going to do. It just, it sets things up on a really, really nice kind of even playing field. And your contracts should be, you know, two-sided. They should not be (laughs) just protecting you. (laughs) It makes everybody feel good. And, you know, it kicks off the relationship on a really nice note, I think. Yes. 100%. And um, so I'm glad that you agree with me that it should be like a, you know, two way street. And here's the thing, uh, what I found in a previous contract template that I've used, I didn't really understand like a lot of what the contract said, because a lot of Mm -hmm. legalese, right? So uh, could you share with us, um, because I know you have, um, you know, five things to have in every contract. So could you kind of walk us through that? I mean, like, yeah, we should understand our contracts like back, like, like the back of our hand. So when, because yes. when you don't understand it, then you don't feel so confident that, um, actually, I'm not sure if my contract covers that. You don't yeah. want that. You want to be like, no, this is what the contract says. Yeah. You should be able to explain it to your client. Exactly. If they question. I was actually just negotiating for one of my clients. She was trying to hire um, a book agent. Mm-hmm. So we were going through the contract for the book agent and there were a couple terms that I didn't really like. I've done a bunch of these contracts. So I knew these weren't standard terms and I was kind of asking her just, why is this in here? And she couldn't answer. She said, well, my lawyer put it in there. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, can you explain it to me? Cause then I would feel a lot better and, you know, maybe we can negotiate or maybe it's fine, but you know, I just need to know what, I didn't even understand the language didn't even make sense to me. And I'm a lawyer and she couldn't explain it to me. She just kind of dug her heels in mm-hmm. and my client ended up walking away. She was like, I just don't want to do business with someone like that. 
Yeah. Uh, so it's really important that you understand your contract. So here, here are the five things just at a really high level. And this is kind of no matter what kind of contract or no matter what kind of service or product you're selling, but these are just some good basics. So the first thing is a detailed list of products or services. So what are you selling? What are you delivering? So if you're a graphic designer, you know, that might be, what are your deliverables or what exactly, you know, is it business cards? Is it letterhead? Is it a logo? Is it all kinds of different variations? You know, just be really specific. I like being as specific as possible. If you're a life coach or a business coach, it might be like the number of sessions that you're going to do, how long they're going to be. If you have any support built in, like, can they box for you or (laughs) text you at all hours? Do you have some boundaries around that? This is a really good place to just kind of set expectations too. Mm -hmm. If you're selling physical products, it may be, you know, maybe you are, I've worked with a woman who does um, like custom paintings. It might be, you know, have some size specifications or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. You might even include like, if you have a a limit on the number of revisions that -hmm. you do, this is a great place to put that. So just as much detail as you can include, that's the number one thing. The second thing we of course want to get paid (laughs) for doing (laughs) our work. So a, a detailed cost breakdown. So If you are charging for supplies and you do a markup, you want to put that there. If you are just basically charging for your time or, you know, it's a flat fee or if it's hourly, you just want to spell that all out. So everyone knows what's it going to cost? When are things due? Are you requiring a deposit and then payments later or like progress payments? Is it a month flat monthly fee? Is it just hourly and you send them an invoice? Like there's a million different ways that people can charge, but you want to spell all that out. So again, like if you had a question later, everybody can come back and look at it. And I forgot to say my favorite thing when you're writing a contract is to think about if you had to go in front of Judge Judy, (laughs) somebody who has never, you know, doesn't know you from Adam, has never seen your work, you know, would they be able to read your contract and Mm. understand it easily? You know, you want it to be so easy to understand that somebody who doesn't know anything about you or your business could understand it. So that's what we want to include there for our our cost and any deadlines. Um, And if you have a timeline, like that's a great thing to include there as well. If the client wants it delivered by X date and so you've backed it up and you've kind of mapped out a timeline, that's a great thing to include as well. The third thing is a refund policy. Mm. And I have a lot of clients, I'll ask them for the refund policy and they'll say, well, I don't give refunds. I'm like, okay, that's your refund policy. (laughs) We need to include that even if you, I would say, especially if you have a no refund policy. Or like I have a lot of clients with online courses and maybe they will let you try it for two weeks. And if it's not a good fit, you can get a refund. Or I have clients who are business coaches or life coaches and they'll say, well, if you do the work for a month and you can show me, you know, send me your worksheets and show me you tried, but it just didn't work for you, then I'll give you a refund. So there's lots of, again, lots of different ways you could have a refund policy but we need to spell it out very clearly. And one of the reasons this is so important is if you are accepting credit cards or PayPal or Stripe or any kind of online payment, you may get what's called a chargeback or a refund request. Mm. And so if that happens, you know, the credit card processors tend to side with the customer unless you have a really clear contract saying, you know, they agreed that there were no refunds or they agreed even if they did X, Y, Z, I wouldn't have to refund them their money or, you know, I said they had to show their work and they didn't. And you have like a trail of all these documents. Again, we're like going to judge Judy here. So just having that really clearly spelled out mm-hmm. is really helpful. If you do find yourself in that kind of dispute. Number four, uh, before yeah. you move on to number four, can yeah. I ask you a question that kind of popped up midway? Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned like um, online courses and when is it okay to not have a contract? So long as you have terms and conditions on your website, I'm like, when is that, when does that suffice versus Mm -hmm. having a contract? So, uh, I mean, for example, 
Um, I know that um, many of the Quiet Rebel listeners, they are service providers, but sometimes they offer hourly sessions or like a day mm-hmm. rate versus yeah. a project. I mean, if it's just like a day rate or like an hour, do they still need to sign a contract or do terms and conditions cover that since it's not an extensive commitment? So, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning, I'm a, a, in Tennessee in the United States. So everything I'm talking about is based on US law, but in the United States, terms and conditions actually are a kind of contract. Okay. So as long as the person is taking, we want them to do something affirmative. So either they're like checking a box or they're clicking a button that says, I agree. Mm-hmm. You know, they have to take some action to show that they're agreeing to your terms and conditions and they have to have a chance to read them <laughs> before mm-hmm. they so you can't just send it to them afterwards, but as long as they have a chance to read them and they do something affirmative, that's as good as a contract. That's basically like they were signing their name, but just okay. electronically. Yeah. So that's totally fine. If you have like just a page on your website and they can buy an hour or a, a set of hours or something like that, but you've got those terms and conditions there. That's fine. Yep. It is a contract. I think a lot of people think it's different, but that is exactly the same as a contract. Okay. And having, so we should have all these same things in it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So all the things yeah. that you mentioned should also be in T's and C's. Got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. So interesting. it just might not be a specific, you know, it might be a little more generic if yeah. you're just selling like a package of hours or something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Okay. Or like for an online course, it's just, it's a little different, but the same basic outline. Okay. Got it. Thank yeah, you. Great question. So number four is how can you end the relationship? So either side might want to terminate. Um, These are sometimes called termination or cancellation. You know, the client may be a nightmare (laughs) or they may ghost you or just be, you know, making outrageous demands or, you know, there's all kinds of reasons we might want to fire a client. And then the client may want to fire us. They may not be happy with our work or they may just, you know, we may have creative differences. There could be all kinds of different scenarios or you could win the lottery (laughs) and maybe, you're, you're just done working for a little bit. So, you know, it can be good or bad, but either side should have the opportunity to end the relationship. And you want to spell out how that works. Do they, do they have a notice that they have to give you? Do they have anybody can terminate at any time? And then we want to think about how do you want to make sure you get paid? So Mm -hmm. if you're like halfway through the project and maybe you've delivered half the files, but they only paid you a small deposit, you know, maybe you want to include some language that you're, you can get paid for your time and then you'll send over whatever you've finished. Or um, maybe you don't send them anything because it's not really finished and you don't really want them using your unfinished work. Mm. Um, so, you know, there can be lots of different ways, again, that that could work, but you just want to make sure, or if you've, um, maybe you've spent money on equipment or supplies just for their project. I have a client who's an interior decorator and she had like just started a project. She did have a good contract, <laughs> but she had just started a contract. She had like hired a, an architect and she had, you know, actually spent quite a bit of money to get started. And then the client fired her. Oh. And so she was out quite a bit of money, uh, mm-hmm. but her contract said, you know, you're going to pay me for expenses, even if you terminate. And so, you know, we were able to kind of end that gracefully, even though okay. it was not a great situation. She at least wasn't out all that money. Yeah. So that can really protect you. Yeah. And then the last thing, since we are talking about creatives a lot of time and my background is a copyright lawyer. So I always think about who owns what. Mm. So if you're creating designs or if you're writing copy, or even if you're, you know, a, a life coach or a business coach, maybe you've given materials to your client, you know, who owns what, how can you use what you either created together or what you hired them to create for you, or maybe what you provided them to use as part of your relationship you know, just kind of terms around who owns what, how can you use it? Especially if you do terminate things early, you know, do they have permission to use that stuff? Can they take a a logo that's halfway finished to another designer or not? 
So just going over all of that and, and things like native files, all of those kinds of, you know, issues that can get tricky. Mm. Um, just it's always better to address it on the front end yes. yeah, and think about, you know, how would you want that to be handled mm. rather than on the back end when you're not so happy? Uh, okay. Now those are, my, those are the top five things really in any contract. You need to think through those five things. And then of course there might be different things for different types of arrangements, but those are the top yeah. five. I'm, I'm just kind of like, my head is buzzing. Like, with, <laughs> I'm like recite whether my contract actually does include these things or not. That's definitely going to have to uh, check that out um, um, after uh, we finish recording. Yeah, well, and I was going to share a resource if this is a good time. Yes, please do. Yes. Yeah. So I have a, an episode of my podcast, which is called the Legal Roadmap Podcast. Episode two is all about, you know, a lot more in detail on this. And then we have a downloadable guide that you can get. And so you'll drop that in the um, show notes. I think it's on yes. my website awbfirm.com slash podcast. And then the number two is the second episode of our podcast. So that's all there. Yes. I'll pop but that if you like me like to read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think for something like this, it's great to kind of hear it firsthand, like on a podcast, but we need to kind of like see and verify that we have all these things. So yeah, thank absolutely. you so much. I'll pop that into the show notes for sure. And so I do have another question for you. So the kind of context that we're talking about contract is like when we are working with a client, but what's the situation when we're hiring a subcontractor, someone to help us out with our business? So for example, I have three subcontractors and I also have a VA as well, but I hired my VA through an agency. So it's slightly different, mm-hmm. but for my other subcontractors, like, am I supposed to be sending them the contract or do they send me theirs or do we sign each other's? I mean, oh. like, what do we do there? Yes. <laughs> this is a really common question. So if you're dealing with someone who has a business that's been up and running for a while and they've been providing the service to other people, they may have their own contract. And so it's fine for you to look over it, make sure it includes all these things we just talked about. It's, it's basically all the same things. You're just kind of flipping the perspective. So you still want to make sure all these things are covered. So it's fine to sign theirs and it's fine to say, you know, I'll sign your contract, but can we add this or can we delete this? It's, I think most people don't understand that contracts are not set in stone. You can negotiate. So, and, oh. and that's fine. It doesn't mean you don't trust the other person. It just, maybe they hadn't thought about something or maybe you've had an experience that makes you want, you know, X, Y, Z in your contracts. Mm-hmm. So it's fine to sign theirs. Or if you are hiring contractors fairly frequently, you may want to have your own yeah. contractor agreement just so you know everybody has the same terms. And that sometimes does become a, a bit of a bargaining point. Like, well, I don't want to sign your contract. Sign mine. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to sign both. <laughs> oh, you don't want to sign both? Oh, No, yeah, because yeah, usually... Yeah. Yeah. Usually they'll say different things. Yeah. And so we want kind of everything just in one place. And so Mm -hmm. maybe pick one person's and if you need to tweak it a little bit or, you know, add or subtract some language, that's fine. Uh, But you just want it all in one place. Okay. So don't sign two contracts. (laughs) Okay. I got it. I got it. And um, it's good to know that um, because I also thought the same thing that contracts are almost like set in stone, like they're so official sort of thing, Mm -hmm. even though they're just a, it's an E piece of paper. It's not even right. paper these days, but you don't fax anymore. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. E sign a lot of things. Um, but it's good to know that we can negotiate. And but it, yeah, they often do come in like a PDF or through yeah. a, you know, Depsado or 17 hats, you know, where it looks like you can't change anything, but all you have to do is say, Hey, can you send this to me in a Google doc? Or can you send this to me in an editable form? I have a couple changes. Mm. Um, that's the easiest. Or sometimes people don't want you to edit their contracts. And so they want you to just put it in an email, but it's fine. Although I will say if someone is being really nitpicky about your contract and has like 95 changes and you spend days and days going back and forth, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They might be a little difficult to work with. So, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of watch out. But yeah, I mean, if you have just a couple things that are really important to you, it's fine to ask for those. 
Could you, um, now that we're on the topic of red flags, are there any other like, <laughs> so many. like, key, okay. Yeah. T- tell us, tell us some more <laughs> red flag situations that we should be aware of just in case our contract doesn't actually protect us from these red flag people. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you- I think you have to know kind of who your ideal client is, like who mm-hmm. you work best with. And you'll get to know after you've worked with maybe 10 or 15, like, oh, that person, that industry was just really not a good fit. Or mm-hmm. this person, like for my business, we are virtual. We use a lot of technology. Yeah. So if I have a client come to me and who says, I don't know how to use email <laughs> or like, <laughs> I can't scan documents or I, you know, I had a, a, a potential client recently who, I mean, I could barely talk to her on the phone and we use, we use zoom video conferences. And so it's just things like that for my personal business. Like I know I need to be able to email you. I, I hate getting on the phone. <laughs> um, I mean, it's okay if we need to have like a long call to go over something, but if I, you know, have to follow up when phone call and phone call and you're calling me just like, that makes me crazy. I just know for my own workflow and your workflow could be different. But just know, you know, what kind of person or what kind of business fits in it. You know, what, who do you work with best? So those are the red flags we pay attention to. You know, if you're difficult during our sales process, mm-hmm. like as you're just sending information, like if people are rude, I don't think you corresponded with my assistant, Brooke, or my business manager, but she's wonderful. And she does a lot of our kind of back and forth with new potential clients. She'll send them information or answer questions. And sometimes people are really rude to her, which is crazy. Like, why would you, she's so nice. She's way nicer than I am. If you're rude rude to Brooke, I'm like, I just don't want to work with you. So things like that, like you would be surprised at how much you can kind of see on the front end. Or like if I get on the phone with you and I can't hear you, or you're very disorganized, you know, some of those kinds of things. I'm just like, it, it lets me know that it, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. And maybe I say, okay, maybe it's something I'm really interested in. I just charge more because I know it's going to be difficult. Like <laughs> not necessarily have to turn people away. You can kind of factor that into your pricing. Actually, I had one client, they're wonderful, but we did one small project and it was like pulling teeth to get information from them. We had to do a ton of follow-up and like, they're so nice, but they're just kind of scattered. Mm. So when they came back for another project, we did kind of increase our price a little bit oh, just because yeah. we knew we were going to have to do a lot more work to, mm-hmm. to get what we needed to be able to, you know, cause I have my pricing based on like our normal processes. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. It's going to be a little different for each business, but yeah, definitely keep your eyes open. We do work with men and women. I do have some clients who like won't work with men because <laughs> they just would prefer to work with women. And so that's like their kind of line in the sand. So it's really up to you and your business. But yeah. Those are some things to, to look out for, for sure. Rudeness for me. I'm like, we have a, a no, um, I'm not going to curse, but a no a-holes policy. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. At our firm. Thank and you. so, yeah, if you show that kind of color early on, I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. It, it kind of baffles my mind, like what, on what earth makes them think that it's actually okay to be an a-hole. <laughs> As yeah. Like, do they think that we're so desperate for work that we'll yeah. take any, I'm like, I started my own business so that I could kind of make my own calls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, that that's uh, very much the same for me. If anyone is rude to my team, especially my VA who I've recently hired and she is amazing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, if anyone's rude to her, I'm like, oh no, no, no one toys with Annie. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. She's a, she's a blessing, but it's good to know that you kind of like, you can hold these standards for yourself on who you can accept as well. Yeah. You don't have to work with everybody. Yes. Good to know. <laughs> okay. Wow. This has been a really, really amazing conversation. So um, Autumn, when we first met, um, because for those who don't know, uh, so quiet rebels, I'm talking to you. Uh, when I have potential new guests on my show, I like to have a preliminary chat and literally within seconds, I knew that I wanted Autumn on the show, but not only that, but I can kind of see in the future that 
we could like probably have a like a mini series of like these legal conversations because today was only about like contracts and that's like one small piece of the mm-hmm. big legal pie. And I feel that because many of the choir rebels who are listening, they are like course creators or course creators to be. Mm-hmm. And I, we only briefly touched on like course creation. And I'd love to eventually have a conversation with you about like protecting our, um, you know, our intellectual property because many mm-hmm. of the courses that we create, they are our own ideas and we don't yeah. want anyone to kind of take them, but then it's like, oh, is it too expensive? How long is the process and all those things? So, uh, I'm really glad that we had this conversation today about contracts and I can 100% see you back on the show to talk about all the things. <laughs> I'd be very happy to do that. Thank you. So Autumn, I have um, a couple of final questions for you, but first um, let's quickly recap. So without having to go into depth, could you just quickly recap the five things that we need in contracts? And I know that you're speaking from and the U.S. perspective. So for Quiet Rebels, even myself, um, who aren't in the U.S., please do your homework um, to ensure that um, your contract is also like in alignment with like the laws of your own country. So mm-hmm. for me, it's the U.K. I know that we have listeners in Canada and Australia as well and other places. Yeah. So please do your due diligence. <laughs> but um, on that note, um, could you quickly recap for us the five things that we should expect to have in our contract? Yeah. Yes. And this is, again, whether you're hiring someone or they're hiring you. So the first detailed list of products or services, what are you selling? The second is itemized and total cost and any payment deadlines. The third is your refund policy, even if your policy is no refunds. Mm -hmm. Um, The fourth is how either side can end the relationship, so termination or cancellation. And then the fifth is who owns what. That's all your intellectual property terms. So those are my top five. Not everything, but that's, that's the basics. Yeah, I'm sure there's like 50 things <laughs> to have in a contract. But let's not overwhelm everyone today. Yes, but yes. And um, so I'm going to pop a link in the show notes for your episode on your own podcast um, where you detail this out as well as um, the guide that they can download just so that they have these five things, you know, they can look at it over and over again. <laughs> okay, so that's that. And uh, where else can people go to find you? So we briefly mentioned at the beginning that you do actually have your own template. So for those who aren't quite ready to hire their own lawyer, like where can they go to kind of like browse the uh, template collection that you have? Yeah, those are all on our website. It's my initials. It's awbfirm.com. Okay, got it. Thank you. And is there any social media areas that you want us to kind of like ethically stalk you after this interview? Because I'm sure that, <laughs> I'm sure that, you know, some quite real folks are going to want to have a chat with you. So where else can they find you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook and that's where I put a lot of resources. Um, I do a Facebook live show every uh, Wednesday. So that's a great place on my business page. It's just my name, Autumn Whit Boyd. Uh, and then I'm on Instagram as well under Autumn Whit Boyd. So but we're both of those places. Awesome. I'll pop the link in the show notes. And also two final questions. And then I, I promise I'll let you go. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. This has been fun. Yeah. So number one, what makes you a quiet rebel? Ooh, I like this one. So I think it's that we are really focused on helping creative entrepreneurs act like real businesses. So mm-hmm. you probably started your business because you had an expertise or a special skill and you figured out that running a business is a lot more than just doing that one thing you love. Yeah. So we love kind of supporting people as they grow into, you know, running a real business that's going to be profitable and sustainable because we don't want you to have to go back to that day job. <laughs> that you- <laughs> Either we're are trying to leave or we're excited to leave. Uh, we want to help you, you know, make it a long term business. Right. So I can I see you and what your team does as like your enablers and amplifiers 
for us. In a good way. (laughs) Yes, in a good way, of course. (laughs) I wouldn't think of it uh, it any other way. But okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much. I think this conversation has been really enlightening. So, and I'm sure that choir rebels are going to feel the same. And I think we can feel that you're on our side. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And final question. So for quiet rebels who are frequent listeners of the show, or maybe this, maybe this is their first time uh, listening to the show and they've chosen your episode. So when this sound effect comes into play, it means it's time for a fact of the day. So awesome, because you are my guest, you're kind of like in the little mini hot seat here. <laughs> so what this is all about is what is one weird fact or like a fun story or something that we can't find anywhere else. We can't find it on your website. We can't find it on social media. But it's just one thing that us quiet rebels get to know about you. Yeah. So I actually, when I was in high school, I was a big theater nerd. I think that's what got me interested in doing copyright law. I loved singing and doing theater. And I actually went to college wanting to be an opera singer. So yes, I went to Indiana University to study music, ended up kind of taking a bunch of different turns. But yeah, so I still love to sing. Now I sing mostly Frozen with my daughter. But yeah, so that's kind of a little, a little secret fact. Can can I put you on the spot and kind of ask you for a little sample? Like, oh gosh, (laughs) doesn't have to be opera style, but just like just a single line of any. Oh gosh, (laughs) I'm trying to think of something. Let's see. Let it go. Let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. That was not great. <laughs> I, I so wanted to join you. I was like, so much frozen. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, make a hold back. This is not your time to sing. That's all right. I, oh, you can, you can join in. <laughs> I honestly, like literally yesterday I was playing Disney songs and I can just like sing belt them out I love it yeah I can actually belt them out and I can recite so much of Disney movies not just the songs (laughs) my little secret superpower but I like it yeah but thank you for uh, I think you're the first person to ever sing on the podcast not great (laughs) you may understand now why I'm not no 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 no. I did put you on the spot I know that if you if you were like you know prepped and yes it would have been much better to you Uh, to be singing, like it, it would be like even more. Awesome. We'll do karaoke someday, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, when, we, when this whole like coronavirus thingy is over, let's definitely meet up and like go for karaoke. I would love to. <laughs> all right. So awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll see you back, but I really appreciate all the gems of wisdom that you shared with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Okay. You tell me, were you or were you not totally inspired by how simple and straightforward it can be to have a solid contract for your business, right? I mean, Autumn did an amazing job in just like laying out like simple, like step by step by step by step. And that's exactly what we need when it comes to this otherwise quite sensitive area. I feel like the areas of like anything that's legal or anything that comes to finances or taxes or anything like that can be a bit like, ooh, like, you know, makes people feel a little bit stiff because unless there's someone who's able to clearly communicate in a straightforward and somewhat fun way, these areas can be a little bit untouched and something that people generally avoid. So I really hope that today's episode with Autumn has really helped you open your eyes of how simple it can be for you. And so if you do want to connect with Autumn as well as check out her contracts on her own template shop, be sure to head to www.makeasang.com forward slash zero five two. And there you'll find all the show notes to connect with Autumn on social media and to also check out her own podcast, the Legal uh, Roadmap podcast, as well as, you know, 
just checking out the contracts that might be a good fit for you right now. Okay? Awesome. So, in next week's episode of the podcast, we're venturing into another area that may be a little bit like, ah, oh, you know, at first glance. And yes, we're going to be talking about cash flow and managing your cash flow, especially right now at the time of this recording during the pandemic. But do you know what? Pandemic or not, this is still going to be relevant. And my special guest on that show also has a really fun spin on it as well. So I really hope that you do join us for that. So if you haven't done so already, be sure to hit subscribe on the app that you're listening to this podcast on, whether it's on Apple or Stitcher or Castbox, wherever you're listening to this, I'd love for you to subscribe so you don't miss out on that episode and so many amazing ones I have lined up for you. I honestly can't wait for you to tune into all of these. But for now, I just want you to take action on what you've learned today. And if you don't have a contract, go out and get yourself one. And if you do already have a contract, make sure that you have all the essentials that Autumn mentioned today. Okay, we're all about action here at the Quiet Rebels podcast. All right, my lovely. So that is it for today. Thank you so, so much for joining Autumn and myself. We really, really enjoyed having you here. And I hope to see you same place, same time next week for another episode of the podcast. But until then, bye for now. And please do take care.